That was annoying. Very frustrating. I mean, it's quite good in a way that we're in a position to be frustrated by results like this and quite bad in a way that they keep happening. (laughs) I know. It it doesn't half give you the sense that this is going to be like a what-if season and... And because it's a weird season, because no one has really been consistent apart from now Manchester City, we're going to regret some of these these lost points. I mean, the the fact that we didn't beat Liverpool away, okay, it wasn't um, a definite gimme, but it was an opportunity. The draw with Arsenal, the loss to Sheffield United, and the draw with Everton. Right now, they're all like, oh, if onlys, and and. All of a sudden, Manchester City are five points and a game in hand away. And um, it's looking rather ominous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is a victory for the nerds who have been saying all along that City were massive, massive favourites to win the title. And of of course, it is um, it is a season of what-ifs and everything you've just said, I totally agree with. And I think, I think you know, for all our pretense that we were mucking around when United were top of the league. Every United fan over the age of, what, 16 um, has it kind of inbuilt into them that United are likely to win the league um, at some point. Um, And uh, so, you know, some of those old uh, neurons started to fire. But listen, we were never going to win the league. It's not really a, oh, so close, what if really? Because this is... This is our real state, you know. This oh, is sure. a we are we are a flaky team. We are, but there's some very specific types of flakiness, which is different from the flakiness that uh, was present earlier in Solskjaer's reign as United manager, or earlier in the last seven years, or whatever. And right at the moment, it's defensive problems. United are fourth in the home league table. We've scored the most goals. Unsurprising, given that we just spanked Southampton 9-0. Um, but have conceded 18 against City 7 at home. And there, there is the problem. It's the yeah. inability to play. I mean, and, and we, we're going to talk about this an awful lot, I think, on this, this pod. It's the inability to play a high line with our particular central defenders um, and the fact that we have a goalkeeper who's absolutely allergic to coming off his line. So... And it's just an, it's an awful mix for getting the kind of results you want at home. Yeah, and uh, and this is, you know, this is the key problem. I mean, this is, like I said on Twitter yesterday, good players FC made a real good shift of it and looked like they had it wrapped up, but bad players FC never give up. And uh, you absolutely can't write those boys off. Fair play to bad players FC. They got the battling draw in the end. Yeah. Well, let, let's start with the good players FC because it was good for a fair amount of time in this game, wasn't it? So the the first goal coming from uh, a lovely move between Bruno Rashford, who puts in a, a whipped right-footed cross from the right side rather than the left. And and Cavani with his now customary header. Yeah, yeah fantastic movement from... Well, uh, fantastic uh, positional awareness, I thought, from Rashford to stay out of the way. I th- it feels like Everton got kind of sucked into a quite bad 
decision to to just try and occupy the space. Greenwood had put in a ball not that long before that one, which had really troubled Everton's kind of back line and looked done basically the same cross, but just uh, not quite so perfectly executed. But between uh, Rashford's decision, Bruno's decision to kind of play the simple ball, and guess what? That's sometimes good, but also he should sometimes not do that, as we saw in a minute. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um and then Cavani's movement, it's a, it's a fantastic goal all round, isn't it? It's just tremendous. Yeah, no, I actually thought a, a lot of United's attacking play was as good as it's been this season. I mean, it, just lovely fluidity from the, the front four. Uh, Cavani is excellent between the lines of the box. He doesn't, he doesn't move into the channels in the same way Martial does, but Martial's in just such horrible form. This is an easy pick, isn't it, right, right at the mm. moment? Um, it's a more natural number nine. Uh, for all Martial's uh, potential, uh, Cavani knows exactly what he's doing and he pulls defenders around and and Rashford and Greenwood, who I thought was was you know, contributed a lot to United's attacking yeah. fluidity uh, and especially Bruno really enjoying that. So, you know, lots and lots of great attacking stuff from United, you know, um, getting right up there with the, the best in the division. It's at the other end of the pitch that we have something of a problem. Yeah, and I mean to kind of to to quote you from about a thousand of these. Um, well, the attacking play was quite good, but we didn't create that many big chances because we True. didn't create that many big chances. But I totally agree. Sort of um, experientially watching it, we just looked good, um, assured. The balance of midfield kind of felt okay. Um, I mean, the commentator on Sky making out that Pogba's injury wasn't a problem because Fred would come on was one of the more frustrating moments of a very frustrating evening. Um, but the, uh, the you know, it, it it was definitely working. And I think making the sort of um, uh, the kind of like, OK, well, let's not worry about how many of our good players we can get on the pitch. Let's just get the right amount of good players on the pitch in the right position I think it's a, obviously a, a sound strategy. Um, the uh, uh, Rashford, brilliant ball. There was one where he looked very hesitant. Well, more than one. He looked very hesitant to shoot uh, a number of times. It's 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 ever so strange. There's definitely something going on with him, alternating between absolutely excellent and doing lots of things that you'd think would fill his confidence meter to the brim and then looking like he's really shy of confidence in key moments. Well, especially sort of finishing, you know, the easy finishes. So it's later on in the game where he has that opportunity on his left foot and uh, sort of tries to dink it sort of half of. You know, he doesn't really do either the dink or the smash, does he? But that that's like an hour in the game or something like that. He had another shot from the, the right side of the area in the, the first half as well. So um, he's... But... but would you be surprised if he sticks one in with a knuckleball from 35 no. yards? You know, of course not. So um, it's it's he's still a young player. He does suffer from some of this inconsistency, but he's uh, he's got more. And we're going to talk about um, the the big C word, aren't we? You know, Cantona a little bit, I think. Um, he's now got more goals than Eric Cantona. And that's, you know, some milestone for a young player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Talking of Cantona, the second goal was incredibly David Beckham-esque, we've <laughs> agreed. Right. We have, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I think my initial reaction was, oh, that's like Cantonal second in top bins versus Sunderland all those years ago. But this is much more Beckham going for the wrong corner and bending it away from the keeper. It's just it's against just Tottenham against Spurs. Yeah, I bet he's he's done a few of those. But yes, yeah. especially that Spurs goal and and this is just uh lovely from Bruno he's he's had a look up several times to see what the options are and uh, took <laughs> took the easy one and sticking it right in the top corner I, I looked at the xg on this one this one the model falls over completely because it's 0.03 there's there's no chance that is a 3% or 3 times in 100 that the player scores from that position so well, this is the thing about XG, isn't it? One of the things that's designed to measure is um, not just the quality of chances that you're creating, but what the players are doing with them, I guess. And and the um, I mean, it's a magic. It's a magic goal. I don't know who it is that puts the pass. It probably Luke Shaw, I'd imagine, plays the pass from the left hand side that Bruno dummies. Um, and uh, Aaron Wambasaka with a great assist <laughs> plays the two yard pass back to him, and then he just like you say he stops. He looks like he looks far left to see what, where the players are. Well, he looks at the goal, looks far left, then he's like, mm, I'm gonna look at the goal again, and it's an absolutely fantastic finish. And really, the Cantonares thing about it was the fact that he didn't do a big celebration straight away. He waited a second and then gave it the the hand, uh, the fist pumps, double fist pumps. I mean, I, w- I want to believe that he was like, wait a minute, I think I'm standing on the exact spot where Eric Cantona did the collar-up turnaround celebration. I want to believe that. I don't know if I fully do, but I definitely want to believe it. No, I mean... There wasn't a collar on the shirt, but uh, he that would have been great if he'd just turned up a pretend collar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that was all good. And we're, we're at half time and we're thinking, you know, this is another comfortable win for United. The movement's great. A couple of lovely goals. It, it's all sweet, isn't it? And this is an inconsistent Everton side. Uh, and it, it just, yeah, it's perfect first half. All of three minutes after half time, I don't know what. They had a half-time. They didn't have the half-time oranges, did they, United? Because it was an absolute mess from there on in. So, Yeah, talking of half-time oranges, I think I was making some food or something. I was in the kitchen and um, I, I lost track of time. I was listening to a podcast and at half-time and I heard really enthusiastic shouting coming from the TV in the other room. And I was like, I, I didn't hear any of the words, but I could hear from the tone that it had to be an Everton goal because this commentator was absolutely not that excited about United scoring. But all three times Everton scored, he went absolutely ballistic. Um, So I've complained about that. I've complained about him uh, comparing Pogba to Fred. I also wanted to complain when he said um, no team since uh, Ipswich Town in like 1984 when Mark Hughes scored to make it 1-0 to United has won at Old Trafford after being behind in the second half. And I was like, don't say no team since Ipswich Town has done something at Old Trafford after what happened in midweek when no team since Ipswich Town had conceded nine at Old Trafford. So anyway. Yes. Yeah. Well, let, let's uh, let's talk a bit about this goal because it's just, it, it's, it's all of United's problems, all defensive problems, all encapsulated into one. I mean, you know, firstly, Cavett-Lewin is, is released down the, the channel, which Everton did over and over again in this game. I mean, it's obvious they've been working on it. The space between the fullback, because Wan-Bissaka 
Um, and increasingly less so, but still, on occasion, Luke Shaw get themselves out of position and, and don't recover. Uh, and and the in total inability of, of Maguire and Lindelof to play on the turn just just every time. And it happened to be Maguire was on the, the right-hand side of this one. He just he nowhere near the pace of Calvert-Lewin, who got himself a couple of yards of space. And it's a softish cross, isn't it? And, and De Gea's done the positive thing, I suppose, oh. of trying to... You are, you, honestly, <laughs> you know that Gordon Ramsay meme where he, like, really screams at someone and then he's really nice to another kid? That's you with every other United player and David De Gea, where you're like, he's got he's got this infinite credit in the bank. That was <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> atrocious you didn't let me yeah yeah you didn't let me finish the sentence i said he's done the right thing and been positive because normally he gets a nosebleed when he comes off his line so he's yeah you know we've seen him attack across before and get fists on it and get it away and that would have been okay because if he'd got it to the edge of the area united would have reset there was no everton player following up um and it would have been just fine as a piece of goalkeeping but he he limp-wristed it straight into decore's path um, who scored? So you know, I fully agree. It's a it's an atrocious piece of goalkeeping, really pathetic and weak. And he has got a lot of credit on the bank, but it's it's going down pretty rapidly. Honestly, this guy was in real good credit in the bank and lost his job like three years ago and has just been spending the money like it was still coming in at the same amount. I am I I wish we had a different goalkeeper. At this point, well, we do. Just... We have uh, we have Dean Henderson on the bench waiting there to be given an opportunity. Yeah, we'll see if he's the one. Well, um, it, he'll definitely play on Wednesday or Tuesday against uh, Aston Villa, West Ham, purple, blue, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> West Ham, and yeah. but he's not played in a really significant game at all this season. It's just cups and then that one game against Sheffield United. Yeah, and and I'm not saying um, I'm massively advocating that we dropped a hair for Henderson because I because nobody knows yet whether that would be a good move or not. But I'm just saying I, I think one of the major problems with our back four is is the back five. It's the the keeper is as as much of a problem as Maguire and Lindelof's complete inability to defend on the turn, which is the new Wayne Rooney had a bad game of this show. Um, as much as as that, the the other problem, which is just the same size of a problem, really, is that De Gea does nothing, nothing over and over and over again when it comes to organising the defence when he's, right. you know, when, when he, that's meant to be his job. And even for the third goal that we'll come on to... One of the reasons that Maguire makes the horrific mistake he makes and gets sucked back deep is because he knows that De Gea is never coming for anything. So you've got to defend deeper than you would otherwise. And, and you know, the reaction saves are still there from time to time. And uh, But, I mean, where is De Gea in, like, best keepers in Europe now? Is he, is he top 10? Is he top 20? Like, there's the, the list of keepers you'd swap De Gea for now compared to two years ago is a lot longer. Theoretically, of course, because in reality, the list of keepers United would, A, spend on to get a top quality keeper and B, spend on to pay the hair off to go somewhere else because he's got four years on his £350,000 a week contract. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a massive millstone around the club. Um, it, as is, um, I'm not saying more or less particularly, but as is Harry Maguire, you know, £80 million. And, yeah. and £80 million, okay, fine, it doesn't matter. Not our money, but it matters because 
the club has made that investment and they're not going to dump him and they wouldn't be able to dump him. The asset's worth too much. And yeah. and um, the briefing in the week, I know because it was in multiple papers that United are so delighted with Harry Maguire's form that um, they're now not looking to uh, add to their defensive ranks in the summer. Uh, read for this. They've got £200 million worth of uh, COVID problem and they can't afford to, you know, plus plus Maguire's going nowhere. So the upgrade would be elsewhere. It's it's pretty desperate. And like, so it's um it's so bad defensively that we're currently on course for a 49 goals against season. Now, I don't really think that's quite going to happen like that because they're just going to have to be tighter. Yeah. But even if it's, you know, mid 40s, it's worse than a David Moyes season. It's, it, we're on course for the worst post Fergie defensive season. Yeah. And now some of that is for good reason. Like some of that is because we're playing the best football, the most fun football, the most gung ho United football we have since. Fergie and we've scored obviously like you said we were chatting on the whatsapp we've already scored more goals we've already scored more goals than we scored in was it 15 16 yeah Lou Van Hal's <laughs> most boring season yeah it's absolutely unbelievable stat but um but yeah I mean the the, the so it's not just like oh this defense is empirically the worst it's been since Fergie because it's not I don't think I think some of the Smalling Jones years would be would be up there um and and of course the, we've talked about Maguire a lot and there's there's more Maguire to talk about but Lindelof man oh sure that, this yeah. guy like this guy no no don't don't let me um I, I talk about Maguire because you expect more quality from the captain from the England captain, occasional, uh, from an £80 million player. You just expect more. Lindelof, you know, he's a pile of garbage. He's just so average. He's aggressively mediocre. It's just pathetic. And there's, I just, what is it? He's rubbish in the air. He's bullied. He's slow. He can pass. Okay. He can pass. That's it. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, having him in the side, I, I, I do not understand why. I mean, I, Bay's injured at the moment, so that's why Bay's not in the side. But also sometimes Bay hasn't been injured and Arle's preferred Lindelof and Maguire, which is, I mean, it's just... All the time. I mean, the, Lindelof's only in, only out when he had his back injury. Yeah. And now that's also just about the only time that Bay's been available. So we'll see. But the one the one game where they were both available was that Liverpool game and he went with Lindelof. Now, you could say that maybe special circumstances because you're expecting to defend a lot deeper and there's some argument to play the two of them together and that. But I think most people seemed to think, seem to think that Lindelof is his first choice ahead of Bailly, which is just, I mean, it's utterly, utterly baffling. Um, anyway, uh their first goal, uh, and so we have, I, I just want to make sure we have appropriately slated Maguire, Lindelof and De Gea. They're all getting both barrels because they all deserve it. I want to give one tiny caveat, which is um, it does feel like, I think, I think, I don't think we've done this. I think these are problems that have existed before and will continue exist to exist afterwards. I do think the COVID season is weird. And I think I think playing in empty stadiums for such a long time, whatever these players are having to do in their personal lives to maintain the sanctity of these bubbles and all this kind of stuff, like 
It's a very difficult time. Lots of people are really struggling with lockdown three. Also, just I'm sure you've had conversations about this. I'm sure we everyone in England has had a conversation with someone who's really struggling this time around that hasn't necessarily it hasn't hasn't been hit that hard previously, but is now starting to really feel it. So these footballers are human, and this is part of the story as well. But yeah, I'd I'd love to believe that it was COVID that made Maguire so slow. I'd love to believe that. I mean, maybe it's the yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm being flippant, and yes, they're humans, and this can affect their form, and and maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's something in the you know huge amount of goals that we're shipping. Uh, maybe it's because we're being a little more expansive. Although he's played Fred and and McTominay for an awful lot of the season, uh, and 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 none of the goals yesterday were uh, <laughs> on account of United's openness. Well, except except for the fullbacks being out of position, because the yeah. fullbacks are often out of position. Because when we're on the ball, we are we are allowing both fullbacks to go forward at the same time, which is you know. Yeah, but so do Manchester City, and they've conceded almost no goals. So yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> they've got the difference being. I mean, there are many differences, but one of the key differences being is they've got two defenders who love defending one on one. Yeah, and GS and and uh, revitalised stones uh, are plenty yeah. quick enough and positionally aware, and they can do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the COVID thing, it's not like I'm saying I think this is why this is happening. It's just uh, every time, uh, well, uh, anyway, uh, first of all, I often feel like, well, who who the hell am I to be laying into these professionals at their ability that they could do things I could not do, you know, what they can do with an orange I couldn't do with a football, to paraphrase Latin. Um, so, you know, there's there's that, but also just this this slight sense of, feels weird to be hammering people at a time when lots and lots of people are struggling but we're, we're just talking about the goals um the second goal then H- harry Maguire is, is more than welcome to come on this show and have a go at our podcasting ability more than welcome <laughs> yeah yeah um the second goal yeah. uh was not great no i mean they get they get around the back of shore and i think it's decore isn't it who's got the first goal that that cuts it back and and watch the replay. Lindelof and Maguire standing there staring as Hammers hammers it in. Just staring at him. You know, there's not even a, an attempt to charge it down. Not even throw yourself at the ball with both hands, hoping that VAR misses it. I mean, nothing. Nothing. I mean, it's it's sort of really reminiscent of the goal that um, Sheffield United scored when What's-His-Name was unmarked in the box for absolutely ages. Burke, quite yeah. like. All the, almost exactly the same position in the box and who's supposed to be picking up Hammers, who's supposed to be closing him down, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's not a patch on the the bad defending for the first or the bad defending for the third, but it was some some good quality bad defending. And then I was really impressed with United's response to having this comfortable lead taken away from them. I thought they went on the front foot brilliantly and actually they didn't let their heads drop at all. And I do think this is where like people who are absolutely hammering Ole... Mostly, I think, are just people that 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 don't like him anyway, and kind of want want to be right in some ways. I'm sure there's, there's heartfelt opinion in there in in some cases there, but uh, you know, it, it feels like every, everything that goes wrong, he gets absolutely hammered. He doesn't seem to get a lot of credit when things go right. Um, uh, here, we, I, I, th- I think we saw the good of the Ali Gunasosha regime at United which is that there is a collective belief in their capacity to get themselves out of difficult situations now all we need is them to have a collective 
belief in not getting into difficult situations in the first place and will have cracked something. Sure. I, I, look, I don't... I, mean, I was going to say, I, I don't think the poor defending is, is Ollie's fault. Of course, he's the coach, and so certainly some of it is. But the, but the spirit, the attacking freedom that many of these players get, the increasing sort of identity United have as an attacking unit, it's all there. You can see that. We complained on the show a lot about not understanding what this United side is. Now, if he had a pacey left-sided defender and an a proper defensive midfielder, this this team would be, you know, five, six, seven points further ahead in the league, Un- undoubtedly. Well, if Eric Bailly had played every game alongside, even alongside Maguire, let's just take Maguire as this millstone. That there's nothing we can do about Maguire's just here. Eric Bailly plays every game. I mean, that's never going to happen, obviously. But if that had happened, we would definitely be at least six points better off than we are currently. Yeah, so so it's moving there, and and um, I, I'd like to think that it's the lack of quality in players rather than Ollie's coaching that is more to blame. But for sure, he's he, look. He's I talk about this trade off all the time. He he always he has to do it all the time. So in games where United are happy to sit and break, we defend better for sure because it's the natural game for for some of these players. They do some one full back forward at a time. Lindelof and Maguire uh, play a lot deeper, so everything's in front of them. They want it like that. They don't want players running behind them, and they definitely don't want the ball behind them. So, you know, as soon as United push that defence 20 yards further forward against the team we're expected to beat, and especially at Old Trafford, then then we have all sorts of problems. So, you know, that says that Oli is trying to fix the problem, but he can't with the personnel he's got. So... And I think it's really obvious. I think most people can see it. I'm probably, I'm not saying anything that's particularly revolutionary. Um, anyway, United as an attacking unit were good. And and it was a, another great ball from Luke Shaw to find Scott McTominay. You know, and yeah, he, fantastic. Yeah. So, and he was at fault. Luke Shaw, ball watching for the first and not reacting for the third. Um, but he's gotten himself as assist, and as we said in the last pod, he's creating loads of chances this season. Yeah, uh, and uh, McTominay did well to to kind of steer it with a sort of head shoulder combination into the far corner. Scott McTominay, who I, this is this is my personal little pet hobby horse at the moment. Scott McTominay is good. Is my little my current pet hobby horse. Um, another goal from him. Another crucial goal from him. Uh, very poor goalkeeping. I mean, he looked like he looked like his standing foot slipped out from under him. So he when he tried to push off for the dive, so it was quite it was all too easy for for the ball to go in the back of the net, but it did. And um, and then you know some some absolutely classic Unitedness. Um, makes a substitution in injury time, thus adding on time. I and mean, there's a still doing the rounds of De Gea on the ball with no time left in the game. Uh, and 94.03 on the clock with plus four written next to it. And De Gea in possession of the ball. And how did you, and us at 3 2 up, how did United not win this game? And that kick, of course, went to an Everton player. Twanzebe tried to stick one on the defender, having, having just come on. I mean, I, I, it was not good, but I, I also think his share of the blame in this is, you know, he's one of the players that gets a share in the blame of this, but not necessarily the one who... Well, I mean, also, hey, guess what? A bunch of absolutely sick 
twisted scumbags put a load of racial abuse on him again, again, and they're not going to stop. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about saying on the show is just that um, a lot of this is just is is troll culture, right? It's this disgusting reaction seeking troll culture combined with racism. It's, it's anyway. What the, I don't even know how to what I'm saying or how to say any of it. Um, he makes the mistake. Then the cross comes in and Harry Maguire plays every single Everton player on side by a, by what? Two foot? A, a, yeah, I mean, it's more than that. Right, it's abysmal. Right. He could see the line in front of him. It's, it's, what's he it's, doing? Like, what's what's the logic there? I, I think it's this instinctive thing that the ball's coming in so he's going to drop deeper. I just think he likes it in front of him. He, he just likes the, he likes the pitch in front of him. He can He can deal with that. And yeah, he spent ninety minutes with Everton trying to play in behind him and trying to make him turn constantly. And you know, you, you just know Ancelotti had been working on that all week because that's they did it, did it deliberately. They missed a bunch of the passes in the first half that they they could have made. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and and so I think that's it. I think it's just this instinctive defensive thing to to drop down where it's braver to to step up and and of course there's a risk there. So because he can't recover. I think and and you know it it was just you see the goal and you think oh well, there's a chance this is getting varred off and then you see the replay and you're like oh no 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 harry's just doing everton a massive favor for some reason and De is pathetic again i mean i i, don't know, I hate using the word pathetic it looked pathetic it, it was it, it felt like not so much coming for the initial cross because that's a long way off him, but just kind of closing the space, you know, WWSD, right? What would Schmeichel do? Like, you want somebody running out, making themselves massive and star jumping in front of Dominic Calvary, right. but of course that's not Dyer's game. You know. No, no, I, look, he couldn't come for that cross. It's on the penalty No, spot. no, no, no. So I, I know a few people said that, but um, yeah, it's it's the second ball being brave and he does I mean, sometimes he turns his back on stuff like that. So mm. it's, yeah, it's not good. Uh, I mean, it's it's a player who's made far too many mistakes and has far too little confidence. Sadly, and and he's got people in front of him that aren't um, aren't protecting him more. So it's just well, he's he's got people in front of him that aren't protecting him more, and also he's spreading some sort of existential terror at the into the people in front of him as well. This is like a very vicious cycle we've got going on here at the moment. Yeah, no, look, if De, De Gea went for some of those initial balls and absolutely cleaned Maguire out, he'd have two thoughts about dropping back deep again wouldn't he you know yeah uh yeah um but yeah it was just it was just it was just horrendous and it felt inevitable from the moment the free kick was given it just felt like oh yeah well we know what's going to happen here and of course that is what happened there and it was very deflating and and you know there is this kind of like small dream about the league title 538 you've got it at three percent now but in better news, Liverpool minus like less than one percent. It's not minus one percent, just less than one percent. So that's enjoyable. Um, what's not so enjoyable is ninety five percent City to win it. So, uh, well, no, it's not. And, and, and look, um, even if the league is a pipe dream and there's more chance of of uh, well, at least Liverpool won't win it. At least they won't now. They're just abysmal at the moment. <laughs> 
we'll get to them in the backers content, I guess. But uh, look, yes, it was a pipe dream, but it's just still deeply frustrating yesterday. So to to have such a creative, the best attacking unit that United had since um, since Fergie retired in a very Fergie esque style. I think it's yeah. fair enough to say that. Um, to to have a manager we personally like, even if he's got his many weaknesses, including not making any proactive substitutions in this game. I mean, he had to take Pogba off, and the other one was to try and waste time. You know, um, and another one of his faults. But um, just so frustrating to have the the makings of something good. And and not absolutely hating the manager, which has happened quite a bit over the last yeah. few years. Yeah. And then to just chuck it all away. I mean, all that good work in the first half, they just sit away within six minutes of half time. And it's, you know, and then to get back into it, good work forwards. And then to like just give away such a crap free kick and just defend it pathetically is so frustrating deeply. Yeah, good work forwards, Luke Shaw and Scott McTominay. Yeah, well, like, the attacking unit is working from both both flanks, both fullbacks, um, with the balance with Greenwood on the right. Even though it's clearly not his best position, he's played it a lot, so he's getting better there. Um, and it's just you know, in general, the, the balance across the whole of midfield and attack just looks so much better than it has at any point, and and it's being let down by this kind of like unholy triangle in uh in Tahir and Lindelof and Maguire who basically conspire every game to make it harder for United to win um and I I completely agree like even even in just in thinking about the Champions League qualification that's three points that would have been in the bank that's not in the bank and whilst you know it's looking real good for United qualifying for the Champions League. And and if you had told us this is where we're going to be at this stage in the season, we'd have bitten your hands off for it at the beginning of the season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard not to shake the feeling that it could be better, which is, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, that is definitely in and of itself a sign of progress that we are, you know, we're not just holding our head in our hands doing this show every week going, what's the point of talking about any of this? It's the same and miserable and Jose Mourinho is an evil... Like, like listen to any Spurs podcast for the last, you know, six weeks. And at least we don't have to do that. Um, yeah, and exactly. But that was part of my... It's a much, you know, it's a much better way of, of um, articulating what I was saying. You know, there's so much to potentially like. Yeah. And then to just chuck away the the... The win, just, yeah. It's, it's a shame. But as Liverpool showed the next day, not everyone can get a draw with the team from their rival city that plays in blue. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Cold comfort. Um, should we take a break and then, talking of cold comfort, discuss David Moyes a bit after the break? Yeah, let's do it. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Brilliant, still doing the rounds, Ed, of um, David Moyes dressed as the literal emperor from the Star Wars trilogy with his big, actually, very sensible attire. I often think football managers should wear bigger hooded coats more often when they're standing in the freezing cold and rain. Um, 
Yes, ever since Steve McLaren was the uh, what, what what did the son call it? Wally with the brolly. Wally with the brolly. That's it. They've been reluctant. They want to have their designer coats and those from Matalan. I can't remember if I uh, mentioned this on the podcast, but Daniel Tillock from the Talking Tactics podcast put on Twitter in a game the other day. It's a picture of it was raining. Pep was there. He had a hood, and there was like an arrow pointing at his hood and a, a, a thing on across the top of his head saying "No hair," saying "This man has no tactics for his own head," which made me laugh a lot. But yeah, David Moyes showing why football managers are reluctant to wear hoods because as soon as they do, they get mercilessly pilloried. Uh, yes, by... and and when it comes to Moyes, the more the better. Uh, sadly, his West Ham side are, are fairly good at the moment. They uh, they are fifth in the table, and um, which is like well above expectation for West Ham. Oh yeah, and it's on a different planet for the expectation from West Ham. Are you, you are you gonna you're gonna do some digging into the numbers and find out they've got the fifth highest wage budget in the league somehow, <laughs> like Everton did when you know uh, he overachieved there for such a long time. I, I something terrible's happened to me. Actually. I'm quite pleased in a way. Um, and I think it, this must be because of Mourinho. I think it must be all or nothing that did this to me. I think I've softened on Moyes. I think tough on Moyes, tough on the causes of Moyes. I, f- I feel like that's that's, that's eased off. I, f- oh. I kind of, I don't mind what, what's, him. What's wrong with you? <laughs> they should have locked him up and thrown away the key. That's what they should have done. None, none of this soft, you know, revolving door manager stuff. You know, fry them, or Moyes, more specifically. So, yeah, uh, at least on the pitch, I, I would like thoroughly enjoy United uh, to beat them. But it's going to be a tough game. I mean, um, Old Trafford, we just, you know, spent half an hour talking about all the problems we have at Old Trafford. Cup game, at least United have to go out and win it. And and we saw in the recent game against Liverpool that uh, that had a galvanising effect. I suppose uh, we'll see whether West Ham make a lot of changes. I assume that Oli will do because it's unrelenting and the Europa League kicks off in uh, like a week or something like that. Um, so just so many games. The Europa League. I don't like it. I don't, I've, you know, I had a nice three months. That's the one relief you get, right? When you fall out of the Champions League into the Europa League. You have this like extended comfy period of denial where you can pretend the Europa League isn't looming like David Moyes himself holding the scythe of taking away your Thursday nights from you for the forthcoming, like however long we're in this absolute where football goes to die hell pit of a tournament. (laughs) Oh, no, you you haven't met the Europa Conference yet, which will be getting from next season. I feel like the Europa Conference might end up being super cool, though. Like, it's where all the Austrian hipster teams play. and that's, It, it yeah. will be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, West Ham, a lot of changes, but not that many changes. Like, are we going to see Bruno rested in a quarterfinal? It is a quarterfinal, right? Or I mean, it's the fifth it, round? It, it, it's fifth round, yeah. He, he should be. I mean, there's so many players that haven't had anywhere near the minutes. He definitely should be. Like, yeah. Donny van der Beek really needs time on the pitch. Really, really yeah. needs it. And if he's not going to play in a game that there has to be changes and rotation, then yeah. when is he going to play? Yeah. So I I, I guess we might see Tellez. Um, we might see van der Beek. We might see Martial. Um, and, and hopefully that would be nice because actually he was 
great against Southampton, having been in such shocking form for such a long period of time. I'm not saying he should have been immediately returned to the starting lineup. However much that's my Gordon Ramsay meme player, like, oh no, it's fine, Tony. You tried your best, um, but <laughs> get out of here, Maguire. Hate you. Never want to see you again. No, no, Tony, don't worry. I know you missed seven sitters, but like, you know, we'll always have Wembley. Um, oh, talking of we'll always have Wembley, no Jaylings, obviously, for West Ham. Presumably, yeah. Edward didn't forget to sign, put that in the contract. I, I actually think this is an aside, but I, I hate this role. I, like, the idea behind this role, I mean, it shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed to contract players out of playing. Um, and the idea that um, a player shouldn't, play against his parent club because what he's going to lose the game for his new club I mean I think it's ridiculous but he can play against their rivals and potentially take points off them I you know anyway minor rant over it should be a level level playing field so he should be allowed to um play and stick one in the top bins which would be absolutely inevitable uh but anyway um there will be many changes on both sides and Jaylings will not be one of them Yeah, and that's the other question, of course, because West Ham, I mean, I wonder whether it's an interesting situation for Moyes, isn't it? Because, like, the expectation is being spectacularly outperformed, so he can afford to go for it in the FA Cup in a way that if they were 16th in the league, you know, you would expect to play West Ham's third 11, like they're under 23s if they were 16th in the league. But here, he doesn't, not really under any pressure to not go for the cup with, like, full, full weight. Yeah, I guess so. They've got a they've got a difficult run of fixtures to come. I mean, serve United in a way. I mean, we play West Brom after this, so that that's not. But um, then the Europa League kicks in, and the Thursday Sunday does seem to have an impact on teams. But they play Sheffield United next, but then Spurs, City, Leeds, us, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester. So there's there's some points to be dropped there for sure. I, I mean, if I if I'm betting on this, I would assume that Moyes will heavily. Um, prefer doing well in the Premier League to winning the cup Mm. but like as most uh, I was gonna say most top teams uh, see it like that they uh, they really focus on it later in the competition except Manchester City who seem to play their full strength side in all the cups uh yeah because they've just got really good training methods that's why their stamina's so good (laughs) um the so maybe no Michael Antonio for West Ham which Mikel Antonio sorry yeah, he might is he, be injured anyway. Is he fit? No, yeah, I kind I of feeling he's, he's only half fit at the moment, this is, isn't he? So. This is the worst preview we've ever done. I haven't even looked at the West Ham squad. I haven't looked at their recent results. I know they're fifth in the league, but only because I just happen to know this. The laziness. This is this is Harry Maguire on the turn, this preview. Like, it is slow, no, ineffective. I, I've seen West Ham play a few times this season because I've got nothing better to do other than play football. Like They've got some really good players. Thomas Suchek, their defensive midfield, has got eight goals this season. You know, Jared Bowen's doing well. Um, Antonio... I mean, he scored a few goals this season, but he's had fitness trouble. They binned uh, Sebastian Eller off to Ajax. Ajax then proceeded to leave him out of their Europa League squad by mistake. <laughs> Real good. Somebody describing that as a 3am football manager error. Um, Suchek, I mean, everybody's saying this is like Moyes has found his new Fellaini and he's a huge part of the reason they are where they are in the league because not just eight goals, but some some real crucial ones, some some big winners in that in that mix. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and he has a balanced side as well. Um, Moyes, I think he's he's found the right kind of, I mean, generally plays three at the back um, with a couple of wing backs in there. Aaron Cresswell's sort of been tucking into the left side of that back three. Um, of course, they've got Declan Rice, who for some reason Frank Lampard was so obsessed with and basically cost him his job because uh, he kept poking the hornet's nest. Demanding Declan Rice, I, I I have to say I struggled to see it with Rice, but um, I mean I once struggled to see it with Gareth Bale. I knew I'd be right eventually when it comes to Gareth Bale. Eventually, <laughs> you finally. I mean, he's won about seventeen Champions. Probably the best goal anyone's ever scored in a Champions League final. Yeah, yeah, but if you just that. ignore that twelve to fifteen years of elite <laughs> footballer. And concentrate on the bit at the beginning and the end. I was right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to thank you, Ed, for being the Eric Bailly recovery pace to my Harry Maguire on the turn for this preview. <laughs> um, and, and knowing stuff about West Ham. Is this just because you've been trying to keep an eye on your enemies? Like I could do chapter on verse on Tottenham this season. Chapter on verse on Tottenham this season. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I just seem, I just happened to have watched them in a few games. I saw them um, beat Aston Villa the other week. Uh, they were very good. They lost to Liverpool. Um, and weren't that bad actually because Liverpool weren't that good in that one. I think even Chelsea beat them recently. I, I might have seen that one. So, um, or, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, beat them quite heavily. I think. Well, maybe yeah, I'm be- making that one up. So bef- before Frankie Lampard got the old heave ho. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, it's a little bit of a tonic, isn't it? A little palate cleanser. Um, we were so good against Liverpool in the FA Cup. That does sort of fill me with hope that we'll play with a kind of bit of verve, a bit of panache, and, and uh, we should have too much quality for them, obviously. They are in an artificially high position for the quality of their players, not necessarily for the balance of their squad, which is clearly, and, and the, the fact that Moyes has clearly got a system that's working for them. So, you know. I am going yeah. to predict. I'm going to predict a thriller here. Let's go like the Liverpool game. Let's, was that three two? The Liverpool game. It was. It was wasn't it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go three one in this one. Ooh. I'm going to say yeah, two one. I do see West Ham scoring somehow. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, it, yeah, somehow. I oh, I don't know. I wonder what mysterious method they could use to get a goal against the impenetrable fortress that is Manchester United's backline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long week. Um, yeah. It's going to be a long couple of weeks for United. West Ham, Real Sociedad, Newcastle, Real Sociedad, Chelsea, Manchester City, and West Ham again. And that's all in the next um, three weeks or so. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's too many teams that David Moyes either currently manages or has managed in a short space of time. No. It's unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah. What are you going to do? All right, um, so Patreon backers, stay tuned and we'll talk about the Premier League football from a bit from midweek and from this weekend. Um, uh, if you want to get involved, I'm sure we need to record some new inserts. Sorry we haven't done that, so you've all listened to exactly the same bits of us plugging our stuff to the extent that you could probably all like say the words along with it. Or of like sometimes with podcasts, if 30 seconds is too long a skip, but I can't face listening to the jingle again, I'll skip 30 seconds and then go back 20 seconds. So I, I skip 10 seconds. That's that's how much I would hate listening to our podcast at this point. But anyway, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's not happening to everyone. Um, yeah, uh, we've predicted the scores. We've covered the team's games. 
That'll do until midweek, won't it? I think it will. So, Patreon backers, stay tuned. Everyone else will see you in midweek. Have a good one. (laughs) 